good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with me, your host, Junior Renee Bobrun. If you are a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation. If you are a returning listener, thank you, welcome back, and I appreciate your continued support. Little housekeeping before we get started, I'd like you guys to check out a website that I use for my vitamins, supplements, nutrients, etc., etc. That site would be onelavi.com. That is O-N-E-L-A-V-I dot com. This is where I go for my vitamins, my supplements, my sports nutrition, my functional foods, etc., etc. They have a whole host of items on this particular site. Home, beauty, baby cosmetics, accessories, etc., etc. In this era of diseases and vaccines and infections and this, uh, what I would call this uh, appropriate uh, emphasis on immunity, I think now more than ever, it's as important as it's ever been, as it's ever been to fortify your food fortify yourself with supplements to make sure that you are getting your proper daily intake of your vitamins and your minerals. Let me say something to you out there, ladies and gentlemen. The food that most of us are eating are bereft and are missing those essential vitamins and minerals. We're going to actually get into that a little bit. You know, it's going to work. That's almost a segue into the topic of today's show. But you know, it's it's a it's a nice, interesting little way for me to plug in this website. But whether you use onelavi.com or not for your supplemental needs, your vitamins and nutrition, fortify your diets, fortify your nutrition, get as much sun as you can while we can still utilize the sun under under these safe parameters. At some point, one of these generations coming down the pipeline, if it's not the next generation or the generation after that, there are going to be certain places on Earth where they may not be able to go outside and utilize the sun, depending on ozone layer depletion, etc., etc. We'll get to that. But in any case, while you still can go outside, going outside and getting vitamin D while you're taking the proper vitamins is important. Because that sun fortifies a lot and metabolizes it also creates a catalytic effect to a lot of the vitamins and minerals in the foods that you eat. You need sunshine often time to work in, in, in collaboration with the foods that you eat. You need movement. Go outside. Uh, even if you're remote working, even if you're afraid or, or in fear of certain variants that may exist, go to your local park, take a walk. Even if it's with a mask on or goggles or whatever you prefer. As long as the sun is hitting parts of your skin. Okay? Just a little friendly piece of advice from me. Take it with the grain of salt that it's worth. In any case, also, if you're after you've checked out onelavi.com for your vitamins and your minerals and your brain food, then you go to chavezhouse.com. As I've said in previous episodes, we have a whole host of items there. We have the the Essential Self-Publishing Success Blueprint, which was number one on Amazon in its genre. It teaches you how to write a book, then get it published, 
how to edit it, everything. You go from your idea to being a published author within 90 days. It actually works. I'm actually using it as we speak to write my first book. Also, we have a whole host of uh, notebooks, back-to-school notebooks that are on the site. We have Lenore Batista's Journals Collection for Women, Empowerment Journals, Daily Planners, uh, uh, sp specified and specifically for the working woman or the or the teenage girl, a college student, it doesn't matter. Uh, you read it, you you write down what you believe, you write down what you want to achieve, and you you infuse a certain level of faith into the words that you are writing. That's what these books are there for. We're trying to add value here uh, to to not just what I say, but a lot of the items that we have is pretty much um, consistent with the message that has been propagated throughout this show since episode one, season one. All right, then. You have OneLaVie.com. You have ChavezHouse.com. You're set on that end. If you have any suggestions, questions, concerns regarding this show, I would encourage you to email me at WhoseWorldIsThis21 at gmail.com. Again, that's WhoseWorldIsThis21 at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Whose World Is This 2021. That's Whose World Is This 2021. Follow us on our Instagram. If you'd like to make a cash donation to the show, it's going to a worthy cause. The worthy cause is all the things that we do here and we're going to continue to do and expand upon. Uh, my cash app is dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U. That again is cash app dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U. I'm going to provide that link on my Instagram link tree. Uh, I keep saying I'm going to do it and I always forget, but I am. Dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U. All right. As with all the other episodes, I get a title and I create a free-flowing consciousness around that particular title. And the title of today's episode, we are in season three. Season three, episode four. Four, if I if I believe yes we are season three episode four wow it's a lot of episodes I'm titling this episode naming this episode will we survive will we survive who's we you may ask I mean you and I I and you me and you will we survive what am I talking about? Am I talking about recent events that have occurred over the last 18, 19 months due to viruses, coronas, things of that nature? You know, am I speaking about that? Am I speaking about climate change? Am I, am I speaking about war? Am I speaking about just overall uh, 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 as a civilization? I'm, I'm, if you were to ask me that question, I would say yes. <laughs> yes. If you ask me what may take us out as a species, I'm speaking about us as humanity. I'm not speaking about what just occurred over the last year and a half. I'm speaking about all the things that were occurring even before 2020. Those, the, those perilous things that we've put on the back burner, by the way. We don't even speak about them. I think the last episode I did, we were speaking about net neutrality and pretty much how we've, we've just destroyed information right now. 
as far as being able to dialogue and discourse. The links that we were sending to each other need to be fact-checked. People are using alternative this and mainstream that and corporate speak and, and the first page of your search engine is all bought and paid for by multi-billion dollar multinational entities. And we all know that most people don't go to the second and third page. So where is the truth if there is such a thing anymore? And where will you get it if your major publishers and your major mainstream media and your major authors and your talking heads and your actors and all the people that are in your life right now making noise? Where, are they telling you the truth or are they telling you the truth that they're paid to tell you? There is a difference. So I, we spoke about that, how information is pretty much dead. It has not survived, even though we are in the information age. The paradox, the irony of it all. But anyway, will we survive? And what do I mean by that? I, I mean, let's, let's, let's start from something that I find to be, should I call it the most uh, 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 prevailing? What is it? Nuclear weapons? How many countries have nuclear weapons? We have the U.S., we have Israel, we have China, we have Russia, we have London, I mean United Kingdom, we have France, we have India, Pakistan, North Korea. South Africa used to have nuclear weapons, they dismantled it. They're the only country to have dismantled their nuclear weapon, nuclear weapon arsenal. What does that mean that as a species, we've created weapons that can kill the birds, the bees, the trees, and the breeze. You do know that a nuclear weapon can kill the oxygen in the air, the hydrogen bomb. It kills the oxygen. Nothing can grow. Nothing can live. It doesn't just kill the, the, the government that you're trying to get rid of or the, or the military force that you are looking to defeat. It kills everything. Man, woman, child, bird, bee, the only thing that survives is the cockroach. You suck the air out of everything. As a species, humans, homo sapiens, this is what we've done. This is one of our major accomplishments and contributions to the ecosphere. As a mammalian species, as an upright hyper-aware using our upper mammalian brains, this is one of our crowning, this is one of the crowning jewels in our uh, 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 resume of achievements, is nuclear weaponry. To do to the earth what a comet can do to the earth. To do to the earth what an asteroid can do to the earth. That's one. Every one of these countries, and we have a contentious relationship. I don't know if you, if you're looking at the news and things like that. If you, if you, I'm not forget about the news. If you, if you understand world history and how we work as a species, um, giving us nuclear weapons is not a good idea. It's not a good idea for us to have invented it. It's not a good idea for us to use it the way we have been using it. We're using it for weaponry. 
even though we keep hearing about there are so many other uses for nuclear power. We can use it to power this and power that and use that as an entree and a gateway to free energy sources, etc., etc. We keep hearing about this. And people keep telling us how much of a pie in the sky it is for us to think about this whole free energy world. But yet we have a world that we have these weapons. We have this world. It's not a pie in the sky to think that we can create something that uh, uh, can take away the birds, bees and trees and things of that nature. But yet, you know, um, everything else that we want to accomplish to create maybe new life or maybe to to put ourselves in a position where we're not dependent on certain grids. That in and of itself is pie in the sky. So I ask, ask, ask yourself, how comfortable are you with the idea that there are several countries on the planet that have the kind of nuclear and weapon and, 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 and weapon capability to completely eradicate all forms of life in a particular region. We walk around as if this is okay. This has been for decades. We're just fine with it. We shrug our shoulders. It, I don't hear it being bandied about on, on television or, or in a, um, uh, our public radio discourse, forums, Barber shops. No one talks about it. I think about it a lot. I I have this thing. My brother and I joke all the time. I tell him that um if there is ever a nuclear strike in the United States, I'm hoping they give me ample time to get to where the ground zero spot is going to be, where that nuclear weapon is going to land. I do not want to escape the nuclear blast. I want to be as close to the nuclear blast as humanly possible. I do not want to survive the, the, the nuclear blast. People go, June, my brother go, June, stop saying that. Why do you say that? I said, because if we've allowed our civilization to descend to a point where a nuclear weapon has been launched on another group of human beings, and it's going to land anywhere near me. If it's a thousand miles away, I want to get there within a mile of it. Why? Because I don't want to live in the world after that. If I've already lived in a world that allowed that to occur, what do you think the world's going to look like post nuclear? You don't have to look at your I am legends and, 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 and your book of Eli and your post-apocalyptic Mad Max movies to understand that a culture and a civilization that would allow something like that to occur is not the kind of civilization you want to be in after something like that has occurred. So that's my mind at work. And people say, June, you're, you're, you're being too extreme. Really? So the idea that these things actually exist and that there are billions and hundreds of billions of dollars that are spent to stockpile these weapons, we're okay with that part. I'm being extreme when so much of our human ingenuity, our imagination, our financial equity and powers and energies are being diverted to this. I don't care if you're a United States, I don't care if you're China, I don't care if you're Russia, France, or whatever. We've all collectively as human beings, regardless of your nationalist, your nationalist ethos, what country, what flag you wave, what color you are, what tan you have, and your whoever you decide to align yourself, align yourself with racially, ethnically, nationalistically, I don't care. It's not uh, historically, I, it's not what I'm speaking about. As a human race, We've, this is what we've all allowed. We are all complicit. And I ask you, 
You think we're going to survive that? We're speaking about things and variants and other things going on. This disease may be out there. Eh, okay. Not, not, not at the top of my list, unfortunately. Sorry, it's just me. Things like that, things like us having the ability to kill everything already, <laughs> it sort of takes precedence. It's predominant in my mind. Will we survive that? Are we going to survive the fresh water shortage? You do realize we have a fresh water so shortage, right? Uh, correction. How water is distributed, how fresh water is distributed has created shortages. What do I mean by that? Anybody remember a couple of years ago when the president of Nestle, the Nestle Foundation, you know, ne I'm sorry, Nestle Corporation, you know, they, they, they you know, you know uh, manufacture candies and, and food things, foodstuffs, and now they bottled water. Remember what he said about water? Remember what he said about water? Okay. Let me read it to you. I have it here, actually. Usually I don't have notes. Usually I don't have notes. You guys know that. I, and I, and I, I'm not going to say I pride myself on not having notes, having all of this stuff in my head and sharing it with you. That's why this show is not necessarily polished because dialogues and conversations aren't necessarily polished. People with canned answers, I find them to be insincere. You know? And so for me, if I stand corrected, if I'm wrong about something, great bring it to my attention that's why i love the that's why i love the 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 email exchanges that i've had at whose world is this 21 at gmail.com you know so we speak about certain topics and we continue to speak about them it's not as if i get to just rattle off things and then you don't get to chime in at some point in time but let me read to you what the um president of nestle corporation said about water He said, water is, of course, the most important raw material we have today in the world. It's a question of whether we should privatize the normal water supply for the population. And there are two different opinions on the matter. The one opinion, which I think is extreme, is represented by the NGOs who bang on about declaring water a public right. That means that as a human being, you should have a right to water. That's an extreme solution. The other view says that water is a foodstuff like any other. And like any other foodstuff, it should have a market value. Personally, I believe it's better to give a foodstuff a value said that we're all aware it has its price and then that one should take specific measures for the part of the population that has no access to this water. And there are many different possibilities there. Those are not my words. Those are the words of the president of Nestle or maybe former president of Nestle. He said, water being declared a public right by many NGOs. And if you don't know what NGO stands for, for many of you out there, it stands for non-governmental organizations. They oftentimes act in the nonprofit sector. They do things or they help governments oftentimes. Uh, uh, feed people and do certain things that maybe the governments in certain places, maybe in second and third world nations and developing nations can't do on their own. So they come in and try to supplement and help. The same way I, I mentioned supplementing your diet with, with vitamins, they come in as a supplement. Like, okay, government, you can't do that on your own. Here we come. We're going to supply some hospitals, supply some water, supply some this. And various NGOs, non-governmental organizations throughout the world, have declared and said that water 
should be a public right. This president of Nestle says water is a foodstuff like any other. Really? So a bag of potato chips and water are the same? A, a can of cola is the same as water? Um, I don't know, but forgive me. Uh, almost every single living thing on this planet needs water. There's no living thing on this planet that needs a chocolate bar from Nestle. There's no living thing on this planet that needs a candy bar from Nestle. You don't need it. As a matter of fact, one can argue that it's not good for you. Not only do you not need it, you shouldn't eat it. So a tree needs water. And the, and the tree, we get our oxygen from vegetation, from trees. The food, the fruits, and the vegetables that we eat, they need water. The animals that we eat, they need water. We need water. Water is not, quote unquote, like any other food stuff. It's actually completely different than almost any other food stuff on earth because every other creature, your vegetarian creatures need it, your carnivorous creatures, your herbivores, as well as your carnivores need water. You understand what I'm saying? So for this man to say that lets you know where we are headed. And people go, well, June, that's extreme. No, 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 no. That's the president of a major corporation in a world where we still have people that die due to not having water and we have excess water on our shelves, plastic, bottled water, and other people don't have, even though they live near oceans. You have people living in coastal cities that don't have fresh water because while we're building and diverting all of our imagination to creating nuclear weapons, we haven't found the way to desalinize and desaltify their waters and create fresh water. That's too much work. That's too much work. Where's the money in that? That's too much work. We haven't done that. Here's where we are. Here's where we are. As of today, tech giant, mogul, former CEO and creator of Microsoft, Bill Gates, is the largest farmland owner in North America. What do you think about that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Let us not get conspiratorial and go, ask yourself why. We live in more of a monocultural society. What does that mean? Monocultural farming. It seems like we're only emphasizing certain seeds. This is why I said our food supply is extremely, extremely bankrupt and it's inadequate to meet the modern human needs. All those seeds and fruits and vegetables that we used to eat, it's hard to find because certain foods don't make as much money for uh, 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 big farmers than others. So they say, eh, yeah, this may be good for humanity, but it's not good for my bottom line. So I'm going to focus on the things that are going to make me a ton of money. And we may not need as much of that. We don't need as much soybean as we ha we're consuming. We don't need as much corn and fructose. But you notice that the farming industry is using more and more land and using more and more, quote unquote, fresh water for actual foods that we don't need. So while Detroit has lead in its water and people are dying of 
all types of diseases. There are developmental issues all through Michigan, all through this country, by the way. It's not just Detroit. Go look up and go Google or go use your search engine to look up lead in water in the United States. Epidemic. No one wants to talk about it, but more places than Michigan have excessive amounts of lead in their water. Anyway, and fresh water is going to what? You know, certain certain crops that we don't need, but it's easy for a farmer to turn a buck. So now our largest a largest farm owner is is a tech giant. And we have corporations saying that water is not a right. It's a privilege to consider it a right is extreme. We need to find the marketplace and to find the supply demand dynamic for water. Are we going to survive that? Are we going to survive that kind of thinking? Hmm? Just saying. Because we have water levels rising in so many parts of the world too, by the way. So many cities are going to be underwater. doesn't matter what you think about climate change or global warming. Who cares? If you think climate change and global warming is a myth, good. doesn't matter. The water levels are still rising. You can do, you can, if anyone lives in South Florida, tell me how South Florida and certain parts of downtown Miami look now. Certain parts that there are certain times where uh, garages, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, street level parking garages are flooded. You can't even park there. You have to use the second floor. I know it because I used to live in South Florida. I know that because I used to do business in South Florida. I know that because those same places I used to visit in the late 90s and 2000s. Now, those same places, those parking garages are um, you, you can't use them. Why is that? And it's not because of a water main break or a leak. It's because of the water level where it's at. Certain places in India, certain places in, uh, uh, in, the, in, uh, uh, in Africa and other countries where they use uh, the water levels are flooding their crops. So these people that were living off of the land can no longer live, live off of that land. There's too much water. <laughs> where are they going to go? So now you have environmental refugees, something that we haven't had before. Usually you'd have a weather refugee. There was there was a catastrophe, a tsunami, things like that. And then, you know, people would have to migrate because their homes were destroyed, et cetera, et cetera. Now you have something totally different. You have these environmental factors that no one has accounted for before. There is nothing in place. And we're not using our collective ingenuity and imagination to figure out what to do next. These people are going to represent the next wave of of migrants and refugees. It's not going to be just because of wars. And then there's going to be the war for water. Fresh water. So places will be flooded that have rice and corn and things like that, that were feeding whole populations, that were feeding animals that were on this land. What about those people is going to happen? Will they survive? Remember, the question is, will we survive? I hate to make this the Donnie Darko uh, hour, but these are things that we have to speak about. And I know the news is giving you carnage and telling you what's a variant, what's not to, to jab or not to jab. I get all that. But let's, let's get away from that for a moment because that has become so politicized. You don't know where to get your news from. You don't know, do I listen to Mr. CDC or Mr. Fauci or, or, or Senator Rand or the doctors that are on the front lines or do I listen to the doctors that have decided to abstain and, and, and conscientiously object to taking said vaccine? Who do we listen to? Fine. Let's let's put that to the side. I, I apologize for the 
for the for the tone of this conversation. But this is a conversation that needs to be had because these things that I'm speaking about are actually occurring. There's no need to politicize them. I'm just asking a question. Will we survive? Will we survive the fact that we have several countries with nuclear weapons armed at the ready? And we're not all friendly. If we look at the names on this list, United States, China, Russia, North Korea, not exactly friendly. There's a little, little, lot of little things going on between us. No, between those, 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 those four countries, huh? And hey, we have Israel out there. Eh, Israel is not, not, not quite in the, in the, not quite uh, popular with its uh, neighboring countries. <laughs> would, would that be safe to say? Right? Not, 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 they wouldn't make. Then they wouldn't get invited to the school dance in the Middle East. I don't think. No, I think they'd be left out. What do you think? Okay. So, yeah, they're sitting on a nuclear weapon over there in Israel, you know, and um, things are always volatile on that side of the planet. Correct. OK, so are we going to survive that? Will we will we survive? Will they survive? Are we going to survive this fresh water shortages, shortages that are coming? While while others out there are commodifying water, you guys, all of us out there, well, most of us out there had to deal. I lived in South Florida for a while. Nothing makes you feel more, nothing heightens your anxiety more than hearing that there's going to be a hurricane and you go to the grocery store and you cannot find any water. Yet the water that comes out of your faucet will kill you. And you have to ask yourself a fundamental, rudimentary, pedestrian question that any child over the age of three would ask and say, why can't we just drink the water that we shower with, dad, mom, the water that we're boiling our f cooking our food with and it's in the faucet? Why can't we use that? And then mom and dad go, oh, no, 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 that's not good for you. Kid's scratching his head or her head. I'm showering with this. It's going into my body. I have pores which are another, it's a fancy word for holes in my skin where this water is being absorbed into going through my bloodstream. I'm, you, I'm putting that water on top of my head. It's getting into my brain. I'm washing my face. It's getting into my eyes and my, and my membrane in my eyes. Wait, what? What do you mean it's not good for me? Why are we at the grocery store panicking, looking for gallons? and sending texts to each other like, where can we get the water? Oh, there's water over there. Speaking to the guys that work in the back of the supermarket, like, yo, what time's the water truck come? Or oh, the water truck's gonna be here at 5.45 a.m., but you better get here, because yesterday, 7 a.m., the water was gone. What, what? You mean by 7 a.m.? Hundreds of gallons of water were gone in an hour? Yeah. How about within the last year doing this uh, global, whatchamacallit, what do we do now? This pandemic or whatever you want to call it. Hmm? I'm going to the grocery store. I have to get water in the home for me and, and my girlfriend. Then I have to get water for my mother's home. And I have to travel miles and miles and speak to several different stock clerks who stock shelves at these supermarkets and say when are you guys getting water and instead of getting gallons sometimes I have to get 
several 18 ounce or 16 ounce little bottles of water and things like that. And those long liters, you know them, you've seen them. Then I'm getting a bunch of those because you never know. That's how fragile our system is. If that didn't, for you, if it didn't expose our fragility, if you didn't feel like, wait a minute, what if something really hits the fan? How far are we? One of my favorite rappers, his name, well, my favorite rapper, one of my, is, his name is Nas. Actually, he's, he's uh, you know, dropping an album August 6th, so pick it up. It's called King's Disease 2, the sequel to King's Disease 1 that, was, that debuted last year. In any case, he had a line in one of his songs, and I can't remember the name of the album. I think it was his double CD, which was Street's Disciple. I think it was from that album. When he said, how far are we from, from barbarity? And I can't remember the whole line, but how far are we from barbarity? How truly far away are we from barbaric behavior? I think we're closer than we would like to acknowledge. How far are we? When you have to wait on those gas lines when there's a hurricane in, in Florida. I've seen how people act. I see the lack of fellowship, the lack of benevolence, the lack of empathy, the lack of, of cooperation. When scarcity is introduced into the place, into the, into the uh, dynamic. I see it. I've seen it time and time and time again. The depths that people will go to if they feel it's either you or me. And so I say, I ask another question. Have we peaked as human beings? There's something called peak humanity. And that's different from what I'm speaking about. Because humanity can be defined in two ways. Humanity can just mean the totality of the human species. Human the human being and humanity can also be defined as what our humaneness, our benevolence, our fellowship with each other, our if we are well-meaning and we are concerned about each other. That's when we are being humane, not just being humans. So there's humanity, which speaks, which is defined as our totality as just being human beings, just the species. And there's the humaneness of humanity. Where is our humanity? Someone scientifically speaking can say our humanity is all over. What are you talking about? So over 7 billion of us. That's our humanity. But other people coming from another perspective say where's our humanity? It means where's our benevolence? Where's our sense of cooperation? This is not a kumbaya conversation. I'm not speaking from a hippie conversation. I'm speaking from a what's going to be best for our species to survive pragmatically conversation. Can we sustain things as they are? Is this working? Will we survive it? And would you want to be on the other side of this humanity? Peak humanity as it's defined, I think is defined as um, when um, we have, so many human beings that the resources that we have on the planet cannot cannot um um 
bring about new generations. Like so I think they're saying certain places like China and places like that will reach peak humanity because they don't have enough new people to replace the older people. So certain places will meet, reach peak humanity. They're saying the third world will reach peak humanity later than they would say what's considered the first world today. Okay, because th there seems to be enough people in the third world. There are enough children being born in that in that in those areas in those parts of the world geographically that will be able to replace. But there's not enough what resources and how we divvy resources and how how our how we are structured. You know, um, they call that peak humanity. Me, my idea of peak humanity is different. It's not about how many people are born. It's who these people are. It's about how we look at each other and how we look at our world. I feel, and this is just my humble opinion for what it's worth, I feel that as hum our humaneness has peaked. I think as far as fellowship, cooperation, collaboration, looking to bring about a better version of who we are in our evolution, I think that has peaked. I think that we are on the slow descend, the slow descent as a species. I don't want to use the word morality, but how we see each other. We, even though we have this technology in our pockets that we get to see each other all the time, but we don't see each other as interdependent entities. We don't see each other as if we need each other. We can look at our phone and look at cat videos and dog videos and jokes and et cetera, and et cetera. But we are as adversarial as we've always been. We've added technology. We've added uh, medicine. We've added all of these things. But yet we have not added on to our humanity or our humaneness. I don't see it. People can say, well, things are better now. We're not being shackled, enslaved, and things like that in certain parts of the world. Really, have you looked at the human trafficking numbers lately? If you are a woman in this, in this world, how safe do you feel, truthfully speaking? Truthfully speaking, I have a, a woman, I have a girlfriend, I have a niece, I have several female cousins who I consider like my sisters. I, I've never had a sister, but I would consider many of them to be sisters to me and i worry about them i know that one of their um that we live in a world where our religion causes wars and killings and carnage i know that our political systems causes wars killings and carnage i know that our economic systems causes wars killing and carnage i know that our gender differences causes war killing and carnage that i know that the biggest danger to a woman is an actual man <laughs> okay Th that that's the reality the person that you're supposed to be procreating with could be the harbinger of your demise. Hello. You're supposed to create life with this person. This person may be the very, it will be a very good chance that if your life were to be lost, it will be lost at the hands of a man. If it's not a disease, it will be because of his hands on you. It will be at his hands. Literally. So where are we, where are we with that? Where are we with that? When you have CEOs saying that water is not a right, it's a privilege. Where we have uh, tech giants creating monocultures with our food, buying up all of our farmland. Why is, it, why is a tech giant, a microchip person, microchip person buying up all of our land? We have billionaires going to outer space now. You ever watch the movie Elysium? 
If you haven't, you should. Uh, Matt Damon started it. Not a great actor, not a great movie, but it's very telling. Okay? Because it speaks about the ultra-rich leaving human beings on Earth. <laughs> to leave, you know, the overpopulated planet. Much, much of the population on Earth is living in poverty, and the ultra-rich take take haven in the sky in this sort of resort in the sky the the air is great and the food is great and everyone else toils to make sure that there's enough energy given to that little ball in the sky that is elysium now i'm telling you right now i am 100 percent opposed to this version of us colonizing the rest of the universe as we are today such as we are, our contentious relationship with each other and how, we, how, how we've diverted our imagination, our ingenuity, our equity, how we've diverted these funds to create things that don't bring about better realities. Nuclear weapons do not bring about better realities. When we have certain corporations that create plants that cannot reproduce seed, so those farmers now cannot create their own crops. The only way that they can have another season of vegetables and fruit is if they go buy these extremely expensive seeds from major corporations. So these corporations spend time creating plants that don't produce seed again. They commit suicide after their season is up. They don't produce seed. In many, many parts of the world, farmers don't use money governmental money to trade they barter with seeds have you guys been hearing about the suicides in india the farmers committing suicide in india are at epidemic rates why because multinational major corporations backed by governments have introduced seedless plants into the ecosphere, into the environment of these farmers who've been, who've been farming a certain way and feeding themselves for generations, for hundreds if not thousands of years one way. And now because of genetically modified cotton or genetically modified corns and things of that nature created by corporations, these farmers can't afford to be farmers anymore. And for them to be able to purchase these seeds with actual money that they've never used they have, the, the seed is so expensive that they have to go to loan sharks and they have to go to uh, uh, these uh, nefarious characters and banks that charge exorbitant interest rates to these farmers. And now these farmers can't feed themselves. These farmers can't feed their families. And now these farmers are saying, I'm better off dead. These men and women who've lived like this for thousands of years are now killing themselves because they've been stripped from their dignity because the soil has been stripped of what it does naturally due to all of these unnatural forces that we have introduced to them. We did this, not nature, but we are something of nature, right? Who, who seems to want, to, for whatever reason, to act a part of nature, separate and apart, instead of being a part of nature. I don't want us in space. I don't want us taking this and franchising this reality someplace else. Uh-uh. Keep that 
ish here. Don't go anyplace else. I'm 100% to us, 100% opposed to us leaving this galaxy to do these things. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I was uh, reading something the other day um, about, uh, what, what was it? Uh, I remember um, in France, there was something, I remember a couple of year, years ago, this is years, years ago. I remember that I was working at this job that was calling me at night. You know, I got off at work around six o'clock and I refused to answer my phone after six. I refuse to answer any calls about a job when I'm not on the clock. I just, it's not my way. You know, I'm, I, I don't deliver babies. I'm not a police officer or a detective or anything of that nature. You know, I, I'm not, you know, you know, solving a big case. Don't do that to me. You know, there's somebody else on the job or, or whatever it is. I'm pretty sure it could wait, you know, unless it was my business. But as long as it's not my business and I don't have any equity, because most of us just get a salary. We don't get equity when businesses do better. Right. You don't get equity. You, it, when you when your job does great and they say, hey, we've had a great quarter, you get a gift card for, for the local pizzeria or the local movie theater. You don't get an equity share. Okay, that's for the board of directors and that's for upper management and the executive class. You do not, even though you are an integral part as to the reason why things are going well, the part that you played. But you get the gift card to AMC, you get the gift card to see Space Jam 2. You're not getting any money. Understood? So I know that and I'm hyper aware of that when I enter into a work sphere. That's why. Whatever you have to tell me can definitely wait till 8 a.m., 9 a.m. the next day. You don't have to hit me at 6.30, 6.45. I call that work. My mom never understood that. She said, June, they called you. And my, I was like, I, I don't care. I, voicemail. And I'm not listening to the voicemail because that little tiny amount of time I spend away from the office. You're already taking 8 to 10 hours out of my day. The reason why I say 10 is, is why. The average work day is seven to eight hours, correct? But you have to get there. I have to get dressed and I have to commute there and commute back. That's probably another hour and some change. So I say 10 hours out of a 24 hour day and the other eight I'm supposed to be spent, supposed to be spent sleeping. So I only have this tiny little window of time to do what I want to do before I have to get ready to get to get sleep. So I can get ready and give you all of myself while you give me this paycheck with nothing else. So because of that, what I gave, which is more than enough, I should only be working five hours a day for you anyway. The eight hour work day is exorbitant. You, you, out of a 24 hour day, let's, let's, let's put it this way. There's 24 hours in a day. Do you think that your work should take up a third of it? Hmm? While the other third is supposed to be sleep? Do you really think so? I don't think so. It takes up more than a third. So if your workday is going to take up more than a third, shouldn't it be rewarding, at least financially, the work that you put in? Because you're, you're there in mind, you're there in body, and you're there to work and do the best job you can. Yet you only get a paycheck. In any case, I don't answer calls after hours. I don't, I'm not downloading your app. I'm not reading what's going on in the, in, the, in the group work chat. You can keep all of that stuff. I remember the, um, there was a meeting. I was brought into a meeting, and they said to me, June, um, we noticed that you haven't been engaging in the group chats and things like that. I said, yeah, 
um, because it's after hours. I don't think about work when I'm not here because I know the job isn't thinking about me when I'm not there. And he was like, oh, well, we understand that. I said, I don't have any equity here. I get a paycheck. I signed up for eight to five, nine to five, 10 to six, whatever. And you got me for those hours. I'm on time and I do my job and then I leave. Anything that you have to say to me can be said to me the next day. It can wait till the morning. I said, if you do decide to call me after the allotted time that we've agreed upon, I'm going to consider that overtime. They looked at me like I was crazy. My mom thought I was insane. June, that's not how the world works. Well, I'm, saying, I'm not asking how the world works. Truth tellers are always ahead of the world that they live in. That's why truth tellers get crucified, marginalized, incarcerated, executed, exiled, etc., etc., and then decades, years, centuries later, now we have streets named after them. Now we have an off day and biopics and documentaries. That's how the world works. I'm speaking the truth. I know I'm right. I don't care if the world is behind what I'm saying. I'm not going to alter my altitude because, you know, we're speaking in, in a low brow, low frequency. That's what it is. Most of my job, I've turned away jobs that decided that giving me a laptop and giving me all of this technology was some sort of upgrade. I said, no, 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 no. You're not going to own me with your with your little tech toys. Then France passes a law. Well, ho, ho, ho. Looky here. Looky here. France passes a law that says if you contact an employee after the amount of after the allotted hour that they've worked, that is overtime. What, whatever email they opened up, read, whatever phone call they answered, responded to, whatever task that they performed, overtime. I remember sending that article. I remember showing, printing that article out and showing it to my mom going, see what I'm saying? And this was years later. So I'm asking you, as Americans, there's many, many Americans who listen to this show. We are, as of right now, the most overworked people. People thought it was Japan and India, but out of all the developed nations, developed first world nations, keep that in mind, we are the most overworked. And people say, oh, that's not possible. Japanese people work 10, 20, 30, 100 hours a week. No, not anymore. That's one. And two, we don't get vacation time. We only get to, out of all the first world nations on average, we get the least amount of time, quote, unquote, off from our jobs. With all this emphasis now on our mental health, and mental health and safety and awareness and this, that, and the third. We get one week, two weeks off. Many, many jobs don't even give you paid vacation or things like that. Um, while, in the, while in other countries in Europe and other places, there are four to six week vacations are commonplace. Um, you get to go on holiday. I've been there. I've been to Europe during this time when the Europeans from all over the world are flooding the beaches and the restaurants and things like that. And they're there for a month or two. Even the, even the, the lowest page worker, lowest wage workers go on holiday and get to travel and live with a certain amount of dignity. So my question again is, will we survive this? Will we survive being overworked, overrun by um, uh, uh, these factors that exist all around us? that are burning us out. We're seeing a new world now where people don't want to go back to work. <laughs> Restaurants can't find pe people to, 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 to fill up their, uh, their employment uh, schedules. But we're going to see how that happens. When the moratorium is lifted on evictions and certain PPP checks and loans run out, we're going to see 
who's going to be able to afford to stand by this new ethos of them not wanting to go back into that that grinding machine again. Let's see who can withstand it. Many people are going to have to go back to work. Right. Are we. Will we survive this? We have reached peak technology. I mean, technology as of right now, our humanity is here. And then our technology is ever evolving where we have billionaires taken to the sky. We, we're able to communicate with each other through 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 um, just by a, a touch of a button. But yet at the same time, uh, are we able to actually communicate with each other? Are we communicating? I remember the, I remember I was reading this thing one time where it says, um, uh, Technology, the first railways that revolutionized travel across the globe. Now we have technology that 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 sends information all across the world. However, um, just like with that, um, now we have a knowledge economy where we have things like Twitter that sends useless information back and forth to people. Now we have so much information. There's really no information. There's so much information. There's disinformation. There's so much information. There is misinformation. That's where we are. That's where we are. So the question is, what are we going to do or are we going to survive that? How will we survive that? What's going to happen? Remember, David Simon said, um, I remember the uh, creator of The Wire once said that, um, <clears throat> that we gave up on our newspaper industry uh, we sacrificed it at the altar of shareholders when newspapers became a big business. When when CEOs of 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 foodstuff companies started running newspapers and asking journalists, do you think you can at least mention one of our advertisers in one of your articles? That's act that actually happened. Do you think you can mention like, you know, one of our advertisers in your article, like mention, you know, the thing that they're providing? You think there's a way that you can slip that in there? Really now? The dirty little secret is that advertisers are the ones who pay a journalist's salary because the advertisers are the ones who keep the ink wet on those newspapers. And so that's why many times your newspaper doesn't get to tell you and doesn't expose to you what those corporations that actually pay for newspapers are actually doing. And I think, I don't know if I read correctly, but I think Jeff Bezos, I think it was the, the president of Amazon, didn't he buy the Washington Post? So do you want major corporations and major CEOs buying up newspapers? So that means that, do you think that the Washington Post is ever going to say something, ever going to say something against Amazon? If there's a big expose blockbuster scandal report, do you think that newspaper, which is an extremely powerful newspaper, look where it is. It's in, it's in the beltway of, of our government. It's, it's right there at the precipice of all of our, our security agencies and our political apparatus is right there in D.C. And he owns that paper. How is that even possible? All I'm saying is, are we going to survive this? I want to know from you, based on everything that I said, are we going to survive this while we're giving each other new acronyms? Everybody's a this or that or this. And we're trying to find out who gets to use what bathroom or who gets to engage in what kind of athletic event and et cetera, et cetera. But all of these things that I outlined, 
Are we going to survive them while we're being distracted with this fodder that just only serves as commentary to what's going on with us on a macro level? Will we survive? We shall see. Until next time, we'll talk again.